another Friday, another podcast episode. This is the Steven Talk Soccer Podcast. Back again with your favorite host. I told you guys he'd make a return. I told you it'd only be one episode, uh, I don't know, one Buffer. episode away? What's, how, do, how, do, how do I word that? I don't even know. Anyways, he's back. Uh, Nara, you know what to do. Back at it like a crack addict. <laughs> I know y'all miss me. I'm back with it, though. As you can see, I had to charge up hyperbolic chamber time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm back. I'm better than ever. Let's get into it. Guys sound like Bryce and Taylor. But uh, um, welcome back to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. Make sure, as always, to subscribe. To tell me how you feel about the show and to share with everyone that you know. You see how poetic that sounds? This, this podcast is going to be full of, know. full of poetry, full of deep meanings. Spoken Things are word. looking good on this Friday. Things feel nice. Yeah, There's a man. certain air, a certain atmosphere and ambiance. We're currently watching some ball right now. Yes, Dortmund sir. versus, I don't know what team it is. I couldn't tell you. I think it's Stuttgart. But anyways, back yes, to the B main the football. If you know that. The main, main football mm-hmm. that we've been missing or we've been seeing but feel like we're missing because not much is really, it didn't feel that very, very substantial the way it normally does in the Champions League. But the Champions League did make a return. It's now the quarterfinals. And without any further waffle, let's get straight into the first match, which took place between Liverpool and Benfica. Benfica, who, I mean, they're definitely the, the weakest out of the rest of the teams remaining. That was obviously shown in the Villarreal versus Bayern game, which we will get to in a second. Benfica losing 3-1, Liverpool winning 3-1, uh, the winning away from home in Portugal, Liverpool. And I mean, given, I always say this in football, that if you're playing away first, you normally have the advantage because if you get a good result, especially with no away goals anymore, and now just being a game being a game as opposed to away goals aggregate, aggregate being yeah, something that else to so come in. That was so stupid. I'm glad they got rid yes, of it. Yes, agreed, agreed. Okay, so you and I agree on that. A lot yeah. of people were saying that they wanted to keep the aggregate, and I said No, I we're just it. adding an extra complication. Like, as you can see, they're just compli- complicating the game more and more each day, each week, each year. They just want to make it more difficult, more stats, more numbers, so that they, they can give somebody a job it look like. Because that shit don't make so no true, sense. So true, man. It's so true. It's like Homer Simpson working in the uh, the nuclear plant, bro. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have a random guy who yeah, just yeah, eats yeah. donuts every day, but it's somehow <laughs> in working for such a very, very prestigious and very high-quality job in the city. That's kind of what I feel like. Yeah, you know, like... Like you said, giving people jobs just because. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, back to the game. Liverpool won 3-1. It was a really good pass from Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm-hmm. which found Luis Diaz, who, again, had a great game. Of course, he's very familiar with the uh, Portuguese opposi- opposition, having played for Porto earlier this season before leaving to go to Liverpool in January. Trent with a brilliant pass to find Diaz, who sets it up for Sadio Mane, who's uh, in the form of his life at the moment. He's crushing his his Egyptian teammate. I mean, mm-hmm. Mohamed Salah, I mean, not in the same team in this case, obviously, because one plays for Senegal internationally and one plays for Egypt. But Mane has been killing it with this country and killing it with Liverpool. I think he has the most goals, I believe, in the Champions League for the last five or six years in the in knockout stages, which is extremely impressive. Uh, he continues to really perform and to be dangerous. Uh, Nari, what are your thoughts on this first first opening goal? A good pass from Trent. I know people are bigging him up and saying, you know, he has the eye of a needle type pass. Uh, thread a needle. Yeah, it was, it was a great pass. Uh, not surprising from Liverpool. You know, that's what they specialize in, that final pass in the, in the attacking third. So just another day on the training grounds, basically, is how I view that. Uh, I want to add two things. First of all, I should mention the first goal, which was scored by Konate. I mean, it was a good header that allowed them to score and get open the scoring for Liverpool. And when they... When they scored the first one, you knew Liverpool were going to go on a, on a bit of a run. This is normally what happens. If they don't score early, they score late. And if they score early, they score many. And the second thing that I want to add to this was the fact that I thought 
uh, Liverpool overall, this game felt like a group stage match. Like the way it was played didn't give me the feeling of like, oh, this game has so much so much riding on it. Like if you lose this game, you're out of the Champions League. Right. Or if you lose this game, the second leg's going to be basically over for you. Mm-hmm. And this game felt like a one-off. Like Liverpool were playing this game for fun. Like it was just like a fourth game of the of the group stage, where like you've or the seventh game, let's say, where you've already qualified for the next round, and you're just playing it because that's what the, that's what the schedule tells you to do. Yeah, you know. Uh, and of course, Luis Diaz again, who's arguably been the signing of the season for uh, in both in Europe and also for Liverpool in the Premier League. He scores the third goal, rounds the keeper, makes it three nothing, three one at the time because Nunez was able to uh, kind of bring a consolation goal for for Benfica. And then a cane got thrown at Diaz as he was celebrating, which I thought was absolutely hilarious because he's trying to do his, cane, his celebration. No and way, old man threw took a cane. His, I didn't even see that. Yeah, old man took his cane from the stands and chucked it at Diaz, and Diaz had to dodge it midway so he didn't get hit by the cane. Yeah. And then uh, Robertson was saying that he's getting hit by lighters too. He's like, it's better that the lighters hit me than for them to be in the stands and people smoking from them. So, I mean, you got got a bit of banter going on from Liverpool. Obviously, they know that this tie is done and dusted. I don't know if you think that there's a hope Benfica can can go to Anfield and get a result. I don't think you think that. No, I don't think so. I don't think Lima's not there anymore anyway, yeah? Lima's been gone for the last eight years. Yes, bro. I'm saying <laughs> he's been gone. They have Everton, though. They have Everton. Brazilian. They have Everton. That's true. They do have Everton. Yeah. But, you know, this is one of those times where one man cannot change the world. <laughs> Big Sean. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this, that's a really good transition to what I want to say. Because, you know, one man that did change the world, at least the world for his Manchester City fans, mm-hmm. in this game between Manchester City and Atletico Madrid, was Phil Foden. This game was yes. a, a one nothing win for Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium. The kings of offense versus the kings of defense. The kings of defense being Atletico Madrid. Really good performance from Manchester City, especially in the second half. I think they really started to tear open Atletico's defense. They had a lot of opportunities later on in the game. I thought Atletico in the first half were very, very good. Nari, I don't know if you're a fan of the Simeone ball. A lot of fans, football fans are on the fence. Either they love this defensive tactic or some fans say this is the most like boring and, and you know just disgusting way of playing any game, of uh, setting up any team to be this defensively. Uh, uh, man, it's a, tough, it's a tough one for me to say because I, I do enjoy defense a lot and I can really appreciate it, especially given the fact that most people overlook it. But I think I have to side with the fact that it is kind of boring. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, they call Atletico Madrid the Spanish Burnley, for after yeah. all. But you shouldn't be saying that, because Burnley are quite a good team. And I've been saying this for years now. We will get to their game as well later this episode, so stay tuned for that. Mm. But uh, I do think Atletico Madrid, there is a place for it in football. I do think there is. And I think they've been successful, I mean, since Simeone's come in in, like, 2008 or nine or something like that. Yeah. And he's continued to win them trophies frequently, I'd say at least once every two or three years, if not more than that. Or if not more trophies in that time period, which is really impressive. Against the Guardiola team, you're always going to struggle because they're going to always going to keep the ball and always going to uh, outpossess you and simply just kind of keep you in like a chokehold. Just like what Bart Simpson and, and Homer Simpson when he's choking him and won't let go for that you know that two or three minutes sec- or two or three second segment in the show. Yeah, that's the same thing that we see in these matches with Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne is scoring the only goal of the game. I did, however, put out a tweet. I literally tweeted to a Manchester City fan prior to the game, like prior to the second half. Yeah. And I told him that I said City will win one nothing thanks to a Kevin De Bruyne goal. And he said, Are you that. sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I said, Don't don't test my ball knowledge. Literally in the second half, one chance for City that was really clear cut. Guess who scored it? Oh Kevin De Bruyne. I just love the pass. The pass, you know, we, we were talking about it a couple episodes ago, if you haven't already. In the previous episode, we were talking about, or a couple episodes ago, I should say, we were talking about how the, the pass is, is far underrated and is oftentimes, you know, larger than the goal because without that, there would be no goal. So with this Foden pass, this is one of those cases. 
Agreed. Uh, I thought Phil Foden, as soon as he came on, and it was one of those moments because the camera caught him before he was on the pitch when he was warming up on the sideline. And you could see that he was ready to make an instant impact off the bench. Like he was going to do something. It was one of those moments. I, I can't explain it. I, did, I could just feel it. Like the camera was on him. He was p- touching the badge. He was clapping the fans. I said, yeah, he's going to come on and he's going to do bits. Like he's going to make an impact. And as soon as he came on, that's exactly what he did. And it's, it was exactly what City needed. They were lacking that final bit of quality. And I mean, I shouldn't call him this because I do think that there's a different episode that must be done in this and this term and what it means when a player is this term generational but i do think foden is similar to pedri in a way i actually it's hard for me to compare hard for me to decide who i think is the better player i want to back pedri because he's from la masia and i mean la masia for me is the greatest ever uh, academy i mean it created iniesta and they created xavi as well and obviously in some people's minds not in ours <laughs> mind, messi the goat so it depends on who you look at but i mean again foden was, ex- was exceptional he's spectacular and exactly what guardiola uh, needed I mean, I do think that this performance was good for Madalico overall. They should be satisfied with it because going back to the Wanda Metropolitano with the one-goal deficit is not a terrible result, especially when Atletico at home is... We've known for years now. We've known this for ages. It's the most obvious thing when you're a football fan. Atletico away or you being Atletico at home is always a nasty, dangerous, scary, daunting place to go that's Mm -hmm. guaranteed to cause... The opposition, meaning the team is coming away from, you know, playing away from home. Trouble, issues, psychological damage, whatever it is. Emotional damage. It's going to yeah. be bad. No, for sure. You know? For sure, for sure. And I think that, with that in mind, I don't think it's going to be an easy walk in the park for uh, Manchester City. Just go to one to one the Metropolitano and get a quick result. 2 3 nothing, and go on. I do think it's going to be tricky. And I genuinely don't know who's going to win that. Because I've seen Atletico do stuff like this before. They only need one game of football at at home for things to change. So that's my view on it. I don't know what you think. He thinks that he can cruise away and just take this fixture and this tie away and progress onto the semifinals in peace. Uh, Not in peace, but I think they can. I think they can. But never rule out Atletico Madrid. You know, they're one of my favorite teams. So sleeper club, as he always yes, says, another sleeper. My club. favorites, yep. Yes, Nara doesn't another. I'll get a, I'll get a song for that. Nara sleeper clubs, wolves, and and now uh, Atletico Madrid. Yes, sir. But uh, we will move on when we return to the other two fixtures that happened on the Wednesday between Villarreal and Bayern Munich, and Chelsea and Real Madrid. And now back to the football again happened on Wednesday night between Villarreal and Bayern Munich. We'll start out with the Villarreal game, a game I didn't really watch too closely. I was focused more on the Chelsea one, obviously, as you guys know, I have a strong affinity for that club, but as Nari was telling me off-air, that that might need to change. (laughs) But back to the football, officially again. Uh, Dan Juma, the Bournemouth legend, the Dutch legend himself, Memphis Depay's twin brother. Uh, This might might be a bit of a violation because I think he's been better than Depay this season, at least since Depay's gotten injured. But overall, Dan Juma with a really good goal. I mean, just a very scrappy Villarreal, La Liga, you know, dirty, just weird way of fumbling the ball into the back of the net. But it's enough against a Bayern Munich team that were quite poor in the day. We're outplayed by Villarreal on every part of the pitch. Uh, the, the typical usual suspects for Bayern Munich did not turn up. Thomas Müller's of this world, Robert Lewandowski's, mm-hmm. uh, all of the guys, all of the above that typically are the 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 danger men for for Bayern Munich. They did they didn't turn up and they weren't really there to make a, a name for themselves. But uh, I'm certain going back to the Allianz Arena, they will be licking their lips, knowing that at home they can do the damage they need to do. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm actually wearing Bayern shorts right now, so you already know I'm going to side with Bayern without a question and. You know, they're a staple team for a reason, you know, just always, always a force to be reckoned with. 
100%. And just when you think to yourself, Lewandowski doesn't go a single UEFA Champions League tie without getting his name somewhere on the score sheet or somewhere in, in the match. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't score in this first tie tells me I know he's going to come for a hat-trick. Benzema-esque, which we'll talk about in the second, against Villarreal in the second leg. Uh, do you think that Villarreal will go through? Do you think Bayern will go through? Do you think Bayern will come back? Do you think Bayern are done in the Champions League? Are done out here? No, man. You can, I told you already, you can never rule out Bayern. Like They can very well win. So, so you think so. Thanos, they're inevitable? Essentially, yeah. But I, I am inevitable. I mean, we will get to this when it comes to this. Because, I mean, we're expecting them to beat Villarreal and Liverpool to beat Benfica. And if those two teams play each other, I mean, they'll have to play each other because that's how the, the brackets work. Mm-hmm. And when those, te- when those two teams play each other, or before they do, Nari, I want to ask you who you think will win that fixture and that matchup. A lot of people are saying that it's going to be an easy win for Liverpool. I don't know. Uh, I'm not that, I don't I'm not that so. convinced. Yeah. But given current form, I can see why they say that. But anyways, moving on to another game, which I really don't want to talk about, but I have to because part of football, it is what it is. Chelsea versus Real Madrid. I'll cover it for you. Yeah, you can take over, to be honest. Kind of hoping you do that. Yeah. Right? So I'll finish off. I'll, I'll let you, you know, you can add the sprinkles on top, but I'll take care of the cake right now. Uh, so basically, Chelsea got washed. You know what I'm saying? And um, Kareem Benzema showing his prowess, you could say, on the pitch. Benzema showing his form. Purple patch, as you can see. Another hat trick, two great headers, and then an unfortunate mistake by Mendy. Should have never happened. Um, two left feet, twist up, looking rough, man. Can't even lie to you. But Benzema doing his thing out there. I have to keep it a stack, you know. Those headers were exquisite. The first one, I think what they were saying was roughly 12 yards out. He generated a lot of power. Cross from the left side from Vinny. And then headed towards the top left-hand corner or... Mendy's right upper hand corner where he was unable to reach and the secondary header was across from the right hand side and then another placement into the or a, just a new placement into the bottom right hand corner um, from Benzema to which would be towards Mendy's left hand side I'd like to paint the pictures and he was a King Kai I'll be kind and use that term even though I don't think he's a king but he was able to convert, got a nice header himself as well, and had a, a good um, show of effort in this game on both sides of the field, which was really nice to see, and I can always appreciate that. So that's that's the breakdown. As you can see, he's very quiet. He's in his bag. But I got you guys. Uh, I don't really have much else to add. I think Nari covered everything there is to say. I just want to say that if Chelsea were to magically, miraculously, whatever the term is, some weird fashion were able to find a way to uh, to come back into this tie. I'd be absolutely elated. Am I expecting it? No. And from a Chelsea fan perspective, I kind of want the season to be over. Uh, that's my ultimate aim. That's my ultimate hope that the season can just end because I'm getting tired of watching and having to witness, witness this nonsense over and over again. Um, the only star star boy in Chelsea is Nari mentioned. He doesn't think he's, he doesn't he doesn't think he's a king, but I do think not he yet. Can one. He can become he's one. a prince right now. Yes, in Kai Havertz, who I think is going to be a very very important player for Chelsea. Uh, I said it many times: if Tuchel leaves Chelsea, I leave Chelsea. If Havertz leaves Chelsea, I leave Chelsea. I'm going to be honest because this is becoming dross at this point. Watching Jorginho and Aspilicueta and uh, Christensen, who had a terrible game, getting skinned up by Vinicius Junior. Watching the likes of uh, what's his name. It was one of the fraud, man. Watching Mason Mount put on another stinker of a performance. Likewise, with an inconsistent Captain America, Christian Pulisic. And I know you Americans listen. I know you guys love him. I love him too. But he's extremely inconsistent. We must come to face, come to grips with, with the reality. 
I've been said this, is, man. I don't know why there's so much hype around this guy. Because he's Captain America, man. He's he's a big guy, a big star boy for... Uh, First of all, he's like four for, feet tall. But his height has nothing to do with it. Messi's just, four I feet said tall. first, first of all. Messi's four feet tall. Nah, bro, but you know, Messi pushes mountains, you know what I'm saying? This Messi guy, this guy, see, look, I know the Messi fans are cheering after they're like, yeah, yeah! no way, no way. Yeah, vamos, man, vamos, I, vamos, see, vamos. during the break, I had, during the break, I had some time to reflect, you know, no, I'm just playing, I'm just playing, I'm just playing, but I mean, no, we I know did, Messi's great, we know that. We well, did, he, I, yeah. I did give them all their credit and all their praise in, in my most recent episode uh, yeah. about PSG beating Lorient. I spoke you know, in high, this high, is true. high esteem about Lionel Messi's this is true. ability. This so is don't true. worry about, uh, you know, the fans thinking you're not going to big him up. Like, we already gave him his credit. I, I think just he's know. falling off a cliff. I still think that. And we speak about this every episode, every Friday. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that as well. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chelsea lost. Uh, I thought we gifted them a win. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Madrid have been that great recently. And, I mean, we've just been worse. That's why they were able to win. And yeah. they were definitely hungry for a revenge, given that Chelsea had beaten them en route to winning the Champions League last season. Now... On to the Premier League match between the two relegation scrap, scrapping or scraping, threatening, whatever, battling teams in Sean Dyche's Burnley and Frank Lampard's Everton. A match that finished 3-2. A very good game of football mm-hmm. overall. If you're mm-hmm. neutral, this was a very, very good game. It was extremely entertaining, extremely exciting. Had that energy, had that, that zest that you look for in a Premier League match. That's why we call it the Premier League after all. Yeah. Really good game. Burnley with that remontada, that kind of PSG versus Barca back in the day where Barca were able to come back and win 6-1 at home in order to go through to the next round as they came back uh, with many goals from you know Suarez and Neymar in that match. But again, Burnley doing something similar. And different is difficult because obviously when you go behind in any match, you typically have that loss of belief, that lack of, of, of confidence that you're going to go on to at least get a result from the game. Exactly. Burnley got more than just a point. They got three points. Everton, who, I mean, they were quite poor in the day. They got two penalties. Nari, I know you were kind of questioning yeah, those decisions they overall. Were, they were questionable. The second one was uh, a, a pen, but only given because the first one was given, which the first one, it really didn't feel like it was a pen to me. Uh, well taken from Richarlison. And I think, you know, the, the footy gods, they were looking out for Burnley because they deserve to win on the day. So I think everything happened and everything is square. I agree. I was really happy with Burnley's performance. I thought that defensively, especially from someone like John Joe Kenny, who used to play for a relegated, now relegated Schalke. Schalke, Schalke haven't been in the, in the Bundesliga for at least two or three years now, and they're one of the most successful um, German teams in history. And he was playing for that team that got relegated, and that told me if you're playing for a relegation side and you play for Everton, you, can, you guys can put two and two together. You play from one relegated team to another potentially relegated team. You, see, you guys see where this is going. So, And they both wear blue, by the way, so there's no, no coincidences there. <laughs> But John Kenny was poor. I thought he was really bad. And he's supposed to be in place of their captain, Seamus Coleman, who's also been sh- absolutely shocking this season as well. I thought he gifted uh, Burnley way too many opportunities. And Burnley aren't the most clinical team. But we did see a very clinical finish from the Ivorian himself, Maxwell Corney, with a really, really good goal. Wow. Fantastic, baby. Um, I thought that was very well taken. I thought Nari said, I think Burnley deserved to win the match. They deserve to, to, uh, to win the game comfortably I thought that the result was a bit flattering for Everton and the game, had the game gone on for another 15-20 minutes it probably would have been more goals for Burnley let's be honest Everton were capitulating defensively as time wore on of course this is a good, it's a good result for Burnley because I mean they play Norwich next which is a big game and they must win that I think as well in order to really cement their place in the Premier League and I think they'll do it so I'm looking forward to seeing them in the Premier League next season up the, the Glarets mm-hmm. 
And now moving on to Nari's favorite team. Frankfurt versus Ferran Torres FC. Barcelona in the oh Europa League. Goodness. Oh my goodness. What the a boring match game. finished 1-1 in Germany. What were you saying, Nari? Boring. Boring game. Boring game. I thought it was pretty interesting. I have to be honest. I was quite... quite, uh, quite uh, a draw is always boring, bro. You think every draw is It's a boring? cliffhanger. Oh, what, do you, what is this? Yeah. Like, you know... Re- okay, never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. back back so much. Frankfurt, we're definitely the more dominant side throughout the game. Um, and that may be seeing a lot because typically when you watch Barca play, the game's only going to be more interesting when they're the more dominant team, typically. Mm-hmm. And I thought Barca were very, very good at times, but Frankfurt are better. And the goal that Frankfurt scored to open the scoring this it was game beautiful. was... beautiful. It was magnificent. It was something absolutely sensational. Yeah, the volley, right? Wow, the guy... It was really... I don't even know how I describe it because many people would say that was a striker's finish. I don't know if he was a striker who shot that. He's not. He's a wing back. He's I'm pretty sure. Yeah, back. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. So he just, it was one of those where as soon as he struck it, you could tell it was going in because he calculated that to a T. It wasn't even a follow through in the strike. He just knew that if I kick the ball this way with this much weight on it, it'll, it'll go in. And that's exactly what it did. I, I was very impressed with it. It's a, the, the type of, of, of strike... I recommend anybody that hasn't seen this goal to watch it, watch the highlights, just the highlights of this game to see the volley. You can tell that it's just, um, he was just in rhythm. Put it at, put it as simple as that. He was in rhythm and was able to to get to get the goal. It was beautiful. Really well taken finish from a youngster who's been thrown away by Borussia Dortmund and is trying to make a name for himself in the uh, in in Germany and also for Frankfurt and now in Europe against a big team. To score against Barcelona is always a big feat, especially when you're that age and you're trying to really build up your career. I think that's a really important feat in his his uh, you know his legacy maybe because to score a goal like that in that fashion against a big team in this moment of the competition it means a lot. But the goal did get cancelled out by some more brilliant play. I have to say Barcelona doing what they typically do, which is the very cute, intricate passing, which we saw between Ferran Torres and Frankie de Jong. And uh, I thought that was a really good goal as well. I didn't think it was the same type of goal with the volley, on, you know, catching it on the first-time volley, but the intricate It was beautiful. Was nice. yeah, I, was, I want to add to that that um, it reminded me very much of an Arsenal-type goal, especially when Carzola used to play there and Arteta was on the pitch, not, not behind the you know in the dugout in the dugout you could say it the way that it was it was brought together there's actually an arsenal goal with um santi carzola that was scored similarly to this one mm. i have it in mind it was from a couple of years ago but just because it was so beautiful mind you that goal if it, if you guys know what i'm arsenal fans will know what i'm talking about they for sure know which goal i'm talking about i'm not sure if you remember the one i'm referring I'm to but i choose not to remember you choose not to. <laughs> it's different and i really like santi carzola he's one of my favorite players yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um no, it was a, it was a really really well taken goal. But yeah, you know, whatever game one one. Uh, so the, the second leg surely has to be interesting. Then it, it should. Team has to win. Obviously. It should. It should. Even it should. if it is a draw, it's going to go an extra time. It should. Yeah, that's what I want to see. That's You're going to see more of a yeah. of, of a in, impetus, more of a of an intensity because there's a reason. You know, the game's not going to be drawn again and then nobody will win like you yeah. have to see someone go through you know? exactly exactly uh and the one other thing i want to mention too really quickly kind of a, a little tidbit of information or just a separate segment is a qu- just have to give some serious credit to dimitri payet what a goal i know i said this when i reacted to it live and nars like steven you always pick up goals that aren't even that great i, mean, I said it to I myself to? this is one of the best goals i've ever seen i genuinely believe this the way that he caught the ball in the volley like that Oh, it makes Ang- Ansgar Ansgar's Kanav. I hope I hope I'm saying that correctly. Ansgar's Kanav's goal for Frankfurt looked like nothing. This volley was it was glorious. 
What a goal, man. This Se- is something seen in the top 100. Se- sensational. Sensational. <laughs> it was really good. It was really, 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 really good. The way, and I love how the set piece was so well coordinated. Like You knew that when the ball came in, he knew when the ball came in from Chen- Chengiz Under, that he was going to bounce them at the perfect time. And all he needed to do was get that space to kind of run onto it and get the right connection. And it's, it's like a, you know, the game in uh, Mario Sluggers where you get you hit the you hit the ball at the perfect weight. You, you, you yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. And you get at the perfect connection, and it said like out of the park or whatever yeah, yeah, home yeah, run, yeah, and you can feel it, and it gives like a little slow in the run. remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you hear the bing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I felt like. The ball came to him, and as soon as it landed at him, like a perfect perfect connection, to ball connection, and boom into the back of the net. Yeah, uh, two nothing for Marseille at the time. The game did end up finishing to one to Marseille, but. I expect them to go through and win the second leg. But when we come back, we'll be doing the big match preview as well as your favorite segment of the show, the fraud of the week. And now, welcome back. This is going to be the big match preview of this week between the two biggest clubs arguably in the world at the moment, arguably, and the two biggest teams in England for sure, in Manchester City and Liverpool. City playing at home. They're obviously in very good form. Just the Liverpool who are, have won the last 10 games, I think, in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken, which is, again, a ridiculous statistic. Nari, what are your thoughts on this going into this match? You have a favorite? Do you want? Is, is there a team that you want to win but you don't think will win or you don't really care? You don't really have a... My feelings are I like Liverpool to win and I think they can win. Okay, so I'm on the complete opposite, so this is going to be really good. Cause yeah. I, think, I think City should win. I think they're playing at home. I think they should win and they will win. And I think City. I've said this already too. I think City will win the league as well. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think they can they can pull it out of the bag and Liverpool. I, this is Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Yes, to to be specific. And I don't want to say that they can rely on Salah because we know what he does or doesn't do in big in big games. Crickets. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the team, I think they'll step, step up to the plate. And who's who's who knows? Like he could still actually come out do something this time. Maybe even make up an assist, which is rare coming from Salah. So uh, we'll see. I know how am I bigging them up? I'm talking the most grease, huh? I'm so confused. No, me. no, but I want them to win though, and because I really like Luis Diaz. So yeah, fair enough. So from a city perspective. Given that they just beat a very defensively sound Atletico Madrid one nothing, and probably could have been more, I am expecting a big De Bruyne masterclass here, De Bruyne and Foden masterclass, just like they did at Anfield earlier this season in a game that I, I think they probably should have won. From For me, I just, personally, I think City played the most complete style of football, and I think Klopp is the, I agree with that, the antidote of it, I guess, closest antidote, but yeah. I think City had the most, especially at home, I think at home with Manchester City have this ability where no matter who they play against, unless it's Southampton in this case, they find a way to score, and they find a way to make the team, but they're playing against su- to suffer, like they suffocate the opposition, and Liverpool are the, are the best team in the in the world at this, at not suffering against the City side, but I do think, something tells me this game's going to finish like a 2-1 for City, and I think that it's going to be because of a De Bruyne of brilliance again, because he's really reaching the peak of his powers again. Uh, and as we go on later into the season, what's your score prediction between City and Liverpool? I'm going to go with... Um, City's going to score for sure. So I'm going to go Liverpool with... Liverpool going to score four, aren't they? Sadio Mane, hat-trick, and Diaz, one goal. No, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Liverpool. Bears. But now, on to the most prized possession of the Stephen Talk Soccer podcast. Yes, this sir. Is the Fraud of the week. Fraud, 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 fraud,
And this week's part of the week is Everton Football Club. Yikes. And you know I speak with this whisper to get, get more intense, you know, to kind of bring in that, that daunting background music which we'll be playing. Just to say, Everton Football Club are mudded. Absolutely mudded. Shame. They were, Shame. They were up at one point in the game against Burnley, which was a six-pointer. And Everton's remaining schedule is doomed. They are doomed. They have to play against. They have to play against United. I mean, United are terrible. They could probably come on, United. man. Yeah, that's a, a no. But, okay, United are better than them all the time, anyways. And. Historically, Historically, but this this but, United is. But to is, be honest, I shouldn't on. be saying that because football is so unpredictable when it comes to the relegation teams playing against the bigger sides. Because those games always have less predictability to them, in my opinion. Yeah. But I will say, uh, yeah, they play United. They have to play against Leicester. They have to play against Chelsea. I think they have to play against Arsenal again as well. So these are all very tough fixtures. And this run in, I find it impossible for everything to stay up if they can't pick up any results from those four games. I just want to say this. They're the frauds of the week because after having their destiny in their hands, they threw it away. And Frank Lampard, who's trying to play this unique, you know, very eye-catching and mouth-watering style of football in a relegation scrap makes absolutely no sense. That doesn't even make sense! How are you trying to play some brand of football, some serious top prime Arsenal, prime Barca, prime Manchester City top ball when you're literally points away from being in the championship and smelling championship fields next season. I couldn't tell you. That's why I think they're frauds because it's been like this for the last what, six, seven months since Benitez has gotten sacked, since Lampard has come in. Everything have been poor. And they have players. They have players that Nari will like. I have Alan, a Brazilian. Mm-hmm. They have Richie, mm-hmm. a Brazilian, who's on really good form with Brazil, but not with Everton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top goal scorer, the number nine, Calvert-Lewin, who's modeling right now. And people were saying, on, um, they said, Yo, if you love modeling, stick to modeling, man. Don't go back into the pitch. He's too busy trying to model on the field. Just, just <laughs> modeling off the field. Because on the field, you stand like a mannequin modeling. Yeah. So we don't want to see that. And uh, more calamitous defending from Everton. And I don't know if that's going to change from now no, to the end of the season. No, that seems to be their thing. And Lampard, as I know, from as being a Chelsea fan, who obviously used to coach Chelsea, defensively underneath Lampard, we conceded, I think, like 60-something goals, which is Chelsea's worst ever defensive record, and I believe in like 15 years, something like, like something mad like that, mm-hmm. which tells you that this trend is probably going probably to continue, even if they do go into the championship next season. But uh, that's why they're my part of the week. So now you can give your your, your insight on, on your input on this game or just their fate overall, should I say, and why they're I just felt like they're definitely, the, for sure, the fraud of the week and a fraudulent side, you know, this season. But I think this game wasn't theirs to win, even though they had the upper hand initially, because Burnley were, were cheated by those penalties. So, See, you thought justice was served. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Gods, the football yeah. guys, you know, they came in and said, no, Burnley, this is your day. You're going to have it when you, when you deserve it. Um Outside of that, yeah, I don't really see too much going on. It's not really going to be anything promising for them for the rest, the remainder of the season. Um, they do concede a lot in, in the dying minutes of the game, and they're, defensively they always collapse. I don't know, there's like a miscommunication or whatever it is, but it's it's evident. And we'll see. We'll just have to see where they go with it. Yeah. Uh, I thought two things. I think Lampard shouldn't have coached Everton now I think he should should have taken the job next season meaning whether they're in the championship take the job then and kind of restart from the beginning of the season kind of get familiar with the preseason in, in, in with the squad mm-hmm. or if they were to be in the Premier League next season get the job then at the beginning of the Premier League season so you could be ready like I said preseason get familiar with the players and the system you want to play and who you want to bring in and who you want to get rid of 
as opposed to coming in at midway through the season when they're obviously dying and hopefully Lampard will be the Sam Allardyce savior, which he's not, and save them and keep them off. The second thing that I want to add was that Everton, no matter what they do, it's almost feels like every game, it's like Titanic FC, that's why I call them. It's like it's guaranteed that something bad's going to happen every time everything plays. Like some sort of calamitous error, some sort of fraudulence is going to hit them like a, like, a, like, a, like a hurricane or like a tornado. It happens week after week after week. And even when they... I can't even explain that. I'm, I'm lost for words. Anyways, Everton are this week's part of the week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. Uh, I've been back here again with my co-host Nari. My co-host Nari. Please make yes, sure sir. to STS. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to tell me how you feel about the show. And to share with everyone, you know, Nari's going big on TikTok, by the way. Go check him out. At yes, Nari. sir. Check me out on TikTok. We just hit a K today. Not Nari with a K. That's not Nari with a K. Check me out. All your music needs, new music every single day, all genres, everything. I got it. Country, Check it out. EDM, rock, house. Everything classical. you need. It's things you never even knew you needed. I got it. Reggae, therapeutic. I got it. I got it. All of that. Romantic. Anyways, everything, everything. Thank you guys for listening as always. I'll be back again on Monday to do my roundup as you guys are so familiar with now at this point. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it. This is Steven signing off. And Nari, you may now do the same. Back at it like a crack addict. I'm here. Hey, everyone. Are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.